All right, and we're back for another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from the Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports, and Game Source. Thank you so much for listening to all of our great programs. But right here, it is the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It was a great weekend right here with me to talk about everything that went on that was important for Lakers fans out there during the All-Star break. Plus also focusing in on the last part of the NBA season and what the Lakers need to do. And also, is there any buyout options? We'll talk about that coming up later in the program as well. Is my good friend, I know him as Tom Wong, but you also know him as Laker Tom. You got to go ahead and catch all the things that he's doing today at Lakerholics.net and his great articles on medium.com. And Laker Tom, always great to have you back fresh off of an all-star kind of confusing weekend because that scoring system, while it worked out in the end, my gosh, it had everyone over here wondering what the heck was going on. It's funny that that whole system would not have worked had the West not come back, the great comeback in the fourth quarter. I actually I actually wrote a wrote a post in uh, Lakerholics.net saying they should just start the fourth quarter 0-0, you know, and play to 24. That would have been a perfect way to do it, you know. Exactly. But, uh, it doesn't make sense. You know, <laughs> uh, the, the outcome obviously worked. Right. But getting to there, people were trying to figure out what was going on. I know I was with a party of about nine, and we were all getting together as far as trying to understand it. And for me, I just have a point where I say, you know what? It's the all-star game. They don't really care about it anyways. It was just nice to see them care at the end. But for the most part, it was three quarters of you go ahead and shoot. I'll go ahead and shoot. And I think the target score should have been 200, not 157. <laughs> well, I know my wife, my wife came in and she saw me watching the game with the sound off while I was reading a book. And she says, this is the all-star game. You're supposed to be watching this. And I was like, this is just a terrible game. I mean, nobody's playing defense. Nobody's even playing great offense. They're throwing up bricks. They can't hit anything. And then we get, you know, we go into the fourth quarter. And I wasn't really 100% sure how it was supposed to work. And then, you know, I had thought it was just, they were just going to play for the first team to get 24 points in the fourth quarter. But it was basically the first team to get whatever the team that was ahead plus 24 points was going to be the target score. It reminds me of my girls' basketball teams where when there's one minute left in the uh, hour and a half practice time that we're allotted, it's next basket wins. And that was pretty much how the game was. But, boy, what a pleasure. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm watching the end of the game just like it's a playoff game. And it was just terrific. Uh, I loved seeing AD actually intentionally blow one free throw just to add a little add a little uh, pressure cooker to the whole situation. But uh, good game for the Lakers. I wouldn't have given the award to Kawhi since most of his damage was done in garbage time in the first quarter. But on the other hand, uh, that's okay. It's a tribute to Kobe. Kobe did uh, did tutor him. And, uh, the you know, my wife says, who won, the West or the East? And he says, well, it's that's even screwed up now too because – it was the West starters plus a bunch of guys from the East versus the East starters and a bunch of guys from the West. This whole choosing teams thing seems to, I would probably get rid of that and, and just play for 24 points in the, in the fourth quarter. It would be a shorter quarter, you know, which is fine because you don't want these guys to go out there and get themselves injured in, in a game like this that really doesn't count for anything. But I'm sure they're going to use the results of this game and, in trying to create this mid-season tournament that they're they're pushing so hard, you know, um, hoping to get that approved and you know, in, in order to shorten the season a little bit and provide a break in there. But it was, a, it, I have to admit, it was the best All-Star game that they've had, and I can't even remember how long, you know. Well, it just like I said, it, it's the end result worked out great, and I'm sure the league is happy and doing backflips and cartwheels and all that. But getting to there is the problem because if people are confused about how and what's going on and how is the scoring system and what's it all about and things of that nature and people are trying to figure out how this is all working out, then you know what? It it you know, you're gonna lose a lot of viewers. And that's the yeah. thing. You're trying to get more eyeballs onto your product. I mean, the reports out there have 
the NBA losing as much as 10 to 15% overall in the ratings with obviously Golden State Warriors being the most affected by it because the fact that they're not winning right now. So it was something interesting that you posted out there on Lakerholics.net. So it's interesting to see what they're trying to do. And I appreciate the fact that they're thinking outside the box, but then there's a point where there's too much thinking outside the box and they made it a little bit too confusing for the fans out there. It's just nice to see that it all worked out in the end, whether or not it's going to work out in successive years and make people actually care that's another story because again, I'm still not bought in. I'm still not an individual. Yeah, I'm, not bought in. I'm not bought in either, Gerald. I think that they, but you know, at least uh, the one thing you got to give David Silver credit for, he's he's not afraid to tweak things. A- Adam things Silver, Adam, Adam Silver. Silver, right? He's not afraid to tweak things and and try try a little different thing. So hopefully they'll have a they'll start off zero to zero in the fourth quarter. Uh, I thought it was kind of ironic, you know, you see a fan win a hundred thousand dollars for making a half court shot and playing three quarters with all of that talent on the floor. You know, you're talking about, you know, hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars worth of players out there and they're playing for $300,000 for charity, which seems kind of minuscule. So a lot of those guys out there give more to charity than that. in you know, in just a couple of weeks time, you know, and the announcer keeps saying, ah, this is for another hundred thousand dollars for another quarter. And it just all seemed a little, what happened to the you know million dollars to the team that wins you know or or do something special you know I, I frankly I would like to see them get back to the one on one tournaments that they used to have many many years ago. Yeah, but then it gets that. to the point where you're risking uh, the players' health yeah. and with the large contracts and even a million dollars isn't going to do it for these players. I mean, right. they're they're not even their shoe contracts are even <laughs> close to that amount because they're so much higher yeah. than that. So. I mean, when you get to that all-star level, it's it's you're talking about you're not talking about a minimum rookie salary. You're not talking about uh, you know a, a veteran's minimum right there. That's right on that million, two million mark. This is something about for the most part, a lot of these players have nice big fat contracts, so they don't yep. have to worry about things like that. And money is not going to be real incentive for them. I think it's just something you know they're going to have to continue to do to try and find that challenge. They found it this year. Yep. I think they need to go back to no substitutions in the fourth quarter either. I think, yeah, I think it was the same five guys played the entire time. Exactly. Um, I think it needs to go back to East and West personally. Yeah, I do too. So it's either easier to identify if you're going to do this system, especially when they, they have, when they have the the selection part and LeBron ends up with five guys from the West and Giannis ends up, Giannis ends up with five guys from the East. Well, no, it wasn't, it wasn't five. It was actually more than that. Right. And I'll tell you what, right now with Team LeBron, if this was actually serious and they've actually, let's say they played, they were, let's say that roster was the actual roster for these two mm-hmm. teams over the course of a general season. That Team LeBron would be loaded. If you would just, I would yeah, walk to Vegas. I, I, excuse me, I would walk to a hotel right here in Vegas, and I would go ahead and lay all my money down on them to yeah, win the championship yeah, I would right do. now. Because they are, they were loaded. And Team Giannis, I love Giannis as a player. Incredible, incredible athlete. Obviously, great on the defensive end. And you know, you don't want to see him on the break and all that. But I also don't want him picking my team. You know, because he, you know, out on the play yard, out of not going to uh, be a good general of, manager working. No, that. no, or or even at the YMCA, man. I don't want him picking out the team because obviously he didn't pick out the. Uh, But you know what? I give them credit. They led most of the game. They took it more seriously than Team LeBron. Team LeBron just had to turn it up at the end. You could see they just had to go ahead and find that, that, you know. Make up that like 20 points they were behind going into the fourth quarter. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. In in a short time. Yeah. So it was kind of weird how that all played out. But again, the end result was effective for the NBA whether or not it's going to be something that long-term is going to continue to be effective. Again, I still think the target score should be 200. I still think that 200 is a great number. It's something magical and mystical that I think a lot of fans would say, ooh, and ah, over, because if you're not going to take it seriously anyways during the first three quarters and just shoot, 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 not play defense, you might as well have a high score to attain that really will get people excited. Well, the problem with the high score, though, is – you got to include the first three quarters and the first three quarters. These, you can't expect these guys to do more than play 
one abbreviated quarter, you know, that fourth quarter without a clock running. It's basically, they should, they should just basically make it for 24 points. You know, if they want to honor Kobe with the whole thing, since he's become like the ambassador now of the all-star game. So if they want to honor him, just go, just play the first three quarters for charity and then play the fourth quarter for real and, and just zero to 24, whoever gets there first. You know, they could do it like you do with the old 21 game, where if you don't hit 21 on the nose, you go back to 11 again. Why don't they just play horse? There you go. <laughs> I mean, you know, listen, we even had blocking calls, and, and we had challenges from the coaches. There were a couple of good challenges there. Yeah, there um, was. But, I mean, like I said, it, it wasn't exciting for us as fans to watch until the last five minutes. Yeah, until the, until the last five minutes. And then it became something I think a lot of people would see. But then again, you have to sit through all that junk uh, to get there. You know, no defense, no defense. You you make a layup, you make a three pointer. I'll let you go ahead. I'll laugh. Yuck, yuck, yuck. And then you know, it's just it, it didn't take it seriously until you go ahead at the end of the game. So I, I'm hoping that at some point in time, the NBA will look at that first part of the actual game itself and see what they can do to do some tweaks there. Because obviously right what, now, I don't know what you can do on that unless, unless they did this, you know, they could go in there with higher, like there's been some, there's been some talk about how many people they, I think they elect 12 people on each side for each team, whereas a normal roster is 15. So what they could do is they could make a 20 man roster and have four teams and play each team ending, you know, your, your 15th to 16th to 20th guys would play in the first quarter. Your 11th to 15th guys would play in the second quarter. Your 6th to 10th guys would play in the third quarter. And in the fourth quarter, you'd have your starters play. Well, there you go. That sounds like a plan right there. At least an idea thrown out there. Well, everybody gets to play and, and everybody gets to be com- competitive. And you, you can add up the points for, you know, for the whole game that way. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of winners, basically. There's four winners plus the overall winner. Well, you might want to contact the NBA on that. Let them know because you've got an idea down there that may uh, actually have never, some weight to it. Never a shortage of ideas. Okay. Never a shortage of ideas. Yes, but ideas, no. Okay. Fair enough, indeed. We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse, every week on Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. Once again, I'm talking to Laker Tom from Lakerholics.net. You got to be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.net. You know, my friend, the All-Star Game weekend, LeBron did okay. AD did okay. Obviously hit that last free throw to win the game. You mentioned Kawhi getting the MVP. Overall, it was an okay weekend for Lakers there. Obviously, the the spectacle and the focus had to be on honoring and remembering Kobe Bryant. And I I appreciate that, especially the great concert during halftime. I I really enjoyed that part. Common did a great job in the introduction, too. That was – And Jennifer Hudson. Extremely well done. Jennifer Hudson did an amazing job uh, with her – tribute to Kobe and Magic Johnson did as well. And it was great for weekend. Dwight Howard trying to harken back his old days. You know, they're showing that great photo of him in the air, mm-hmm. just like he was when he was 22. It was obviously a great picture of me, but unfortunately he didn't go ahead and advance in the slam dunk competition. And 
I kind of think Aaron Gordon won. I think he got ripped off. I mean, anytime you jump over Taco Fall. Well, scary. yeah, but he jumped over Taco, but Taco ducked about a foot. <laughs> yeah, he was scared you know, for his I, life. I happened. I didn't. I didn't watch the. Uh, actually, I had to go to the movies with my wife right when the uh, three-point contest ended, so I didn't get to watch the dunk contest. And and I came back, and the first dunk that I saw when I was going through the the uh, videos of it was uh, Dwight's dunk. And frankly, I thought his dunk was spectacular. Uh, the thing about it is, though, you, you couldn't really appreciate it in real time because when they slowed it down and you saw what he really did, I mean, that was that was really, he got robbed on that dunk. I mean, it wasn't a winning dunk, but it sure was a lot better than a 41, according to their scores. Um, yeah, and the dunk, you know, the, the, the three-point shooting contest was pretty good, I thought. Uh, the dunk contest, though, I, you know, it, none of it had the excitement of some of the previous dunk contests. I thought it was a disappointment in that sense. But that's the problem. Yeah. The dunk contest in itself is something that, you know, in so many years now, there's right. been all these dunks have been played out. There's not yep. much left you can do in regards to originality that we haven't seen before or the judges haven't seen before. So these dunks that are even getting a 50. You know, five straight tens across the board. Right, they're dunks that I think maybe a couple years ago nobody got a fifty. You know, yeah. I mean, I would see Dominique do things that you couldn't even believe, and Jordy yeah. do things, uh, Doctor J, and so forth. And never you would just see fifties. You know, you'd see forty eights and forty seven. And they were giving them out like candy here. Yeah, exactly. But I tell you what, it was a good weekend overall for the NBA. I mean a way to try and revitalize the league after the horrible death of Kobe Bryant and his right. daughter and all those individuals. So I think it was a way for them to start the healing process. Obviously it continues next week on the 24th with the Memorial right. uh, at Staples center. So that will continue there. But uh, you know, it, it's still the NBA, the Lakers, everybody is still healing and still trying to, to figure out what's going on with a future without Kobe Bryant. I mean, I still see the Lakers boards still just paying tribute after tribute after yep. tribute all day long to Kobe Bryant and the pictures and the memes and the gifts that are out there. It's just, it's so sad to see people not being able to let go because they had such a endearing love for Kobe Bryant. Right. And it's going to be hard for a lot of people to try and move on because he was so important. He was such an important part of their lives. I wish that they, I wish that everybody, myself included, had, had appreciated Kobe more when he was here. You know, it's it's sometimes it's sometimes sad, and when you look back and you see somebody who really meant so much to the game and so much to so many people, that that we all have this huge outpouring of you know of appreciation and respect for everything he meant to the game and what he meant to us. And, you know, you just wish that you, you know, I mean, almost everybody I know feels the same way. You just wish you could have, you could have had a moment to say that before it all happened. You know, I just wish I would have met him and said, thank you. That's probably yeah. one of the things yeah. I would, I would, uh, you know, love to have said to him had he was still alive today. But again, uh, it isn't, going to be the case but again we has as Laker fans and also basketball fans have to go ahead and try and move on I know that's what he would want yep. is to try and go ahead and focus in on what's going ahead with the league and it is looking like it's going to be a pretty good shootout as we get closer to the playoffs the Lakers right now are ahead by four games in the Western Conference that thrilling game in Denver in overtime, five games in the lost column. Five games in the lost column, but four games overall. Let's let's right. put it let's put it in perspective here. Four games overall, uh, you know, ahead of Denver, and five games overall ahead of the L.A. Clippers. Five six and a half against the Clippers in the lost column. Yeah, six in the lost column. I know you love that lost column. But I do I, love the lost column. I I look at the overall five <laughs> games because you know uh, they're they could have an extra easy game against. Golden State, or they could have an extra easy game, you know, against another low-end team that could give them an easy win. So it's not it balances itself out. But you know, they also Utah, which has surged and dropped, and surged and dropped, and looks like they're back on the right path right now after mm -hmm. a little bit of a skid. 
they're five and a half out. So there's somebody they're, – they're a team that actually you have to watch out for, I think, as well. I think you got to watch out for the uh, Rockets, too. Oh, yeah, know. absolutely. Small ball Rockets. I they mean, just, they're they on the horizon. they got a 6-8 center now. Yeah. I mean – Mari Carroll. Damari Carroll looks like they're going to go ahead and get him on the buyout market from San Antonio, which is kind of a shame because there's another wing that the Lakers. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, how are the, how is Houston having this Intel or how are they connecting or contacting? I mean, this is some shady stuff that's going on because Marvin Williams, when he leaves, he would have been a perfect fit for the Lakers. These guys are under contract too. You know? Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, they talk. I, I understand that talk. It's a rhetorical question because you and I both already yep. know the answer and they talk and communicate. I mean, Woj knows what's going on and the league knows what's going on. You cannot tell me they, they <clears> turned a, a, a full blind eye to this, but right. this is some shady stuff that's going on. I think in my opinion that, it's not allowing them to take a look at the entire landscape and say, you know what, maybe you want to go ahead to this team or that team. I mean, the Clippers, Well, let's, let's, put, problem, the, yeah. let's put things in perspective for just a sec. The Clippers still have an open spot, if I remember correctly. Why wouldn't you want to go ahead there if you've got the spots already open and they have a better record than Houston? But it just seems like there's some shady stuff going on where players are communicating to agents and agents are communicating or players to another, to one player to another, and just some shady stuff going on, which is causing these buyouts. So before I get into any list of, of what, what's left or what could be possibly available on the horizon that maybe the Lakers could get in the buyout, your thoughts on the whole buyout process itself? Because to me, it just, again, like we saw during the free agency, especially in the beginning where all these players were already knew where we're going because they had already communicated before yep. the memorandum had already stopped, uh, had already, you know, been lifted. It just seems like it's just very shady and underhanded and something that the league is not able to control. Yeah. It's really hard. It's really hard when you get involving with tampering with the players or their agents, you know? Um, and one of the things you have to think about with respect to these guys is, Carroll, for example, had more than a year's worth of salary. He had two years in his contract. So he's – so basically the logic behind all of the players – Actually, he had three gonna, if you include this one. It, if I'm going to negotiate a buyout, then i got to know exactly where I'm going and what they're going to pay me. I and mean, it would be interesting to find out the Rockets actually have a big hunk of their MLE still available, and they have the full taxpayer MLE. So that's a $10 million minus whatever portion of it they've used. So it may, there, this may not be a minimum salary type of situation. Um, even though, even though it's, it's mitigated by, by this previous team having to pay part of that buyout. But it's only a, a it's like a flat maximum. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's not, it's very minimal. I mean, his contract was not big anyways, so yep. San Antonio yep. does have to eat the rest of his contract for this season, or yeah. that's not paid for by get, Houston. He's probably going to get more than – he's not going to just be playing for his old contract. No, no. More but, on top of it. But, but he has to – he's only allotted a certain amount because right. yeah, he can't go over it based off of what he – I mean, he has uh, still that contract. I mean, San Antonio still has to pay for that, that contract out as far yeah. as – for each of the three seasons, this right. season, the next season, and the season after, because I think there's, like I said, a 1.3 buyout on the end, million-dollar buyout on the end that he has to deal with. So this one was a kind of an out-of-the-blue type buyout, which was kind of strange because he didn't, you know, San Antonio eating this type of cost, whatever it is that's left over the course mm -hmm. of two, three seasons is kind of, you know, any amount. It's a small amount comparatively, right. but, yeah, it's still, still an amount. So it's kind of unusual that they did that. But you know what? For, enough, gonna, for, a team, for a competing team. That's yeah, for, for, exactly. For a team that they, they want to go ahead and compete against and uh, so trying to get a playoff spot. So it's kind of different and weird that they did that. But you know what? It is the financial situation that we're now in. And Damari, yeah. obviously not happy with his playing time, told Popovich, I want out. Is there any other players that are out there that you're hoping fall into the laps of the Lakers? Mo Harkless? I think if go and ask for buyouts would be prime candidates to go ahead and be on the roster. You know, Mo Harkless, six nine, can defend the wings, can shoot forty percent from three. Uh, you know, really, he, he's really only six seven according to the latest NBA stats. Okay, I'll, I'll go with the. Right, he shrunk two. He shrunk two inches when they decided to 
actually measure everybody at the start of the year. Uh, then um, everybody else I know also did the same thing. They shrunk a little yeah, bit, Chris I included. So yeah, I know he was. As there. I've gotten older, I've shrunk too. You know, I used to be five nine, and I was five eight when I went into high school. Oh, just one inch, and now I've gone back down to five eight. I'll tell um, you what, it's just Harkless would be a good ad for the Lakers. There's a reason he was he started most of the games for the Clippers, and it's his defense. He's a good defender. Reggie Jackson. I think he's I'm the best of the bad lot. I'm not as high on. But he um, can create his own shot, and he can create yeah. it for other players. And that's something the Lakers need. And we're not talking about somebody that you can go ahead and need for 30 minutes a game. You just need right. him for the 10 minutes a game in the playoffs that LeBron needs to sit for. And let me ask you this. Do you want Reggie Jackson out there or do you want Rajon Rondo? I know my answer, but I'm not sure if I know yours. You know, it's funny. I've, I've probably been a lobbyer for the Lakers to make moves much more strongly than most people were before the trade deadline. Um, I really felt like, I really felt like there was a little bit too much credit being given to the great chemistry of the locker room and, and that the fears of, disrupting that chemistry were overrated. Um, I always thought chemistry basically emanated, started with the the organization and the superstars that you have running this organization, the coach that you have doling out the minutes and so forth. And I never really felt that if you, if you traded two players, you were still going to end up in the buyout market. Even if you didn't make the trade, you were still going to end up waving a couple of guys to make roster spots. It's kind of strange, though. Right now, at this point in time, I'm almost thinking that we may not make a change. I don't um, think so either, personally. Although, if those one, if one of those two names pops up, I right. definitely think they should consider it. I'm not a fan of J.R. Smith at this point in time. Uh, I'm not a fan of any of the other real players that are out there. Right. Tyler Johnson, I'm not even a big fan of his. I mean, I understand he's a he's a combo guard, but. You know, if he couldn't make it on the Suns, then really, what do you expect from him? And I don't see any. I don't see any of the guys we're talking about, Gerald, really having an impact player that come in and change things for the Lakers at this point in time. Then why make I the do change? Think, I do think that there's a start of a recognition by Frank Vogel and his staff that a lot of the Rajan Rondo minutes now basically should go to Caruso. I think that that's something that we're going to see, and Caruso's not. You know, Caruso's not going to help the playmaking situation. He's actually a pretty poor playmaker once he gets into the lane. Uh, he's a poor decision maker once he gets into the lane, but he plays great defense. Uh, he has good chemistry with everybody. And I think the Lakers are probably most likely going to just hold hold steady and, and stand pat through the through the buyout market, frankly. And, and I don't blame them. I think that when you get to the playoffs also, you're going to see LeBron play more minutes. He's going to play 40 minutes a game. It's going to limit down to eight minutes that you really have to get a second playmaker in there. And I think that maybe they're not going to do it the way I would, which is surround LeBron, surround AD with shooters when when uh, LeBron sits and is taking his rest. But I think what you're going to see is a lot of activity, a lot more activity and focus on getting AD to become – a bigger threat and a person who can carry us during those moments when LeBron is sitting. Because right now, basically when you look at the stats, the, uh, the, in, the on and off stats for LeBron and AD, we play terrific with both of them on the floor. We're almost unbeatable. You take LeBron, take AD off of the floor. We're still just dominating teams. But when you take LeBron off of the floor, we have a negative status. We have a negative net rating with AD on the floor. And that really shouldn't be. So I think it's up to the coaching staff to make changes. One of them is going to be fewer minutes for Verzon Rondo. If he doesn't go out there and start hitting shots right away, bam, he's going to be pulled and sitting the rest of the time. He'll have that occasional playoff Rondo game, and that's great. He'll let him have that game. But otherwise, give those minutes to somebody else. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. 
Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. I think that's the thing with Frank Vogel. If he sees a hot person, it's the old, you know, who, you know, hot yeah. man up. You know, and that, I, don't that, mind that. I don't mind that. I, I think that's fine. You just and don't... he plays well. Rondo plays right. well when he's with LeBron, right. but right. only when he's with LeBron does he play right. well. And that seems to be the issue. And defensively, he's an eyesore out there because oh, he yeah. can't stay with any of the fast guards or the elite guards. And he, and he gambles too much. He gambles and leaves. It breaks the rotation completely when you gamble like that. And when you have well, LeBron doing the same thing, because we see LeBron, he cheats over, he right. lays off of guys, he does hey, some pretty good enough. defense in the pretty good defense in the All Star game by LeBron. Yeah, and, and when he wants to turn on it defensively, he still yeah. can. But you see a lot of times when they're playing, you know, people are complimenting LeBron on his defense at times. But I see LeBron sometimes leave open shooters he'll just stay closer to the basket and he'll leave yep. three-point shooters just because he doesn't respect them and you'll see them you know hit the shots and you're like well who was guarding him and it was lebron because he's just laying off them but lebron when he wants to turn up defensively can still do that very well i'm not disputing that and nor am i going to he still like, has still has the second best defensive rating on the team yeah. and if he didn't poke at joel Embiid, he would have stopped joel Embiid too on that last play yeah. down that you know that was near the end of the all-star that, that was game. a hell of a that was a good step back though to joel that fadeaway that he put nobody's gonna block that shot yeah but you know he can still play that great defense right. he just picks and chooses his spots which is understandable at his age right. i get that that's no problem but when you have rondo on the floor doing the same thing they play well off of each other on the offensive end, especially if Rondo's hitting his shots. But on the defensive end, still, it's a problem. And I think that's something that the Lakers have to think about going forward. That's why I said if Reggie Jackson does pop out, I think he's able to go ahead and at least buy you those minutes a little bit more effectively than Rajon Rondo could. But again, Reg, uh, Reggie Jackson is he's going to be, if he decides to go ahead and be bought out, He's going to be a wanted man all over the NBA. So yeah. it's not just going to be the Lakers. And I, and I think that the Lakers, I don't know. I, I have a strong feeling. Now maybe, I'm, maybe I'll be totally wrong and, and they'll go out and they'll cut two guys and bring in a couple of buyout guys. I, I tend to think that uh, LeBron and AD have pretty much told the, told the front office and the staff that, hey, there's nobody out there that we want more than the guys that we've got already with us. But none of them yeah. can really guard a Kawhi. Nope. That's Rum, you know, at the wings that are out there. That's really going to be hard. And they still yeah, have a lot of Kawhi. issues. What you do is you double Kawhi because you can always you can always count on Paul George having an off game. Yeah, but he's only going to have, have two games out of seven. Well. I mean, that's why you brought in Marcus Moore Senior. That's why you yep. have Lou Williams yep. out there. That see, that's the thing. You start to double Kawhi, and that's where your problems start there as well. So, I mean, the Clippers. They scare a lot of people out there, although in Vegas, they're not scaring the Vegas enough because the Lakers still are the favorite team yeah. going into this last segment of, of the season, and they're still ahead of Milwaukee and the Clippers, so at least they still have faith here in Vegas, but I ask well, you, my the friend, Clippers, the, the thing you got to realize about Milwaukee is they're really still unproven because Giannis hasn't proven he can win it in a big game. At the end of a game when shooting really counts and people are stacking up the middle, like the, just like you saw in the All-Star game, it's hard for Giannis to score. If, and if he doesn't have confidence in his shot, you realize I went through the I went through the logs. He did no other game this year that he did five out of eight three-point shots. No other game against no other team in 40-something games did he shoot five out of eight or better than that. That one game he was hot from outside. I think for me, it all goes back to when you get into the playoffs, there is no better proven playoff performer who's not injured right now than LeBron James. And when you look at that game that we played against Denver and the last game before the All-Star break, I think you saw there what kind of a game the Lakers can put together. 
And even with their deficiencies, even with not having that second playmaker, that third scorer, you know, that elite wing defender, we saw a team that it was going to be awful hard to anybody to beat. And when you get into the playoffs and you look at a team that really leads the league in winning on the road against bed good teams, the only three teams that have got winning records now that have beat the Lakers are the Clippers and the two teams from the East, the Bucks and the Raptors. And we're going to play them again, all of those teams. And I think by the time we finish the end of the season, the Lakers will continue to be the favorites to win it all. And I don't think they need to make a change at this point in time. I don't think that they're going to risk making a change. And I think they showed the kind of metal that they can put out there. Even then, if you look at the All-Star game and you look at the other All-Stars that were finishing out that game and playing, it really came down to LeBron James finding an open Anthony Davis who was unguardable down on, down in the box and getting the right pass to him at the right minute to win that game. So I feel pretty confident about where we are as a team. I think that we're going to see some coaching changes as far as strategy goes to involve AD more, uh, make him more of a focal point, especially when LeBron is out of the game, find ways to get him the ball on the move rather than just flipping it out to him on the wing and letting him you know, go one-on-one. And I think defensively, we're going to do a lot of different things too. I think we're going to see a lot more of the same defense that we played against Harden played against the Clippers. You just don't go, you you can't allow somebody like Harden to go one-on-one and you can't allow Kawhi Leonard to be guarded by KCP one-on-one or Danny Green one-on-one. You've basically got to take the ball out of their hands and we have a good enough rotation and defense that I thought we showed that well. And I feel comfortable in that sense. It'll be interesting to see. I could be wrong and the Lakers could go out there and cut three guys and bring in three new guys. I just don't see it based upon the guys that are out there who are available. If that's the case and we have to sit through a matchup between Kawhi and Jared Dudley, I'm going to point to you, my friend. I'm going to point to you and say, oh, we didn't mean to make changes because... I didn't say I was going to put Dudley on him. Okay, okay, fair enough. Because he's the closest thing to a backup wing after Kuzma that we have. I just I mean, put two guys on him. All right, all right. Just make it sure. But One thing you know I, about Kawhi's going to pass the ball if you double-team him. All right. Well, I'm still hoping that it won't come to the point where after the season we're saying, hey, they should have made some changes. They should have made some tweaks. They well, should have. They should have. Too, too late for that. And, you know, Harkless might be the only possibility. And the word is that he might not even be available till late in the month, late in well, February. He has to be available by the end of the month. Or March 1st, or he yeah. can't be on the payroll roster. That's correct. But there's still a lot of good teams right now in this next five to seven game stretch that they have to focus on, including some of the East powerhouses, including Milwaukee, Boston, and Philadelphia. So I think they should still keep their focus there and try to do what they can to get that playoff mentality started. Because if they don't, it could be a little bit of a shakeup, you know, at least early on before it gets the schedule gets a little bit easier. Right. Yeah, those three games with the East are going to be uh, are, are early. I guess they're all in early March, I think. And that that's going to be a nice stretch to see what we can do. You know, it's kind of interesting. Every time this team has had one of those little stretches, you know, where everybody is saying, well, you got to prove yourself in this stretch. And they prove themselves. Got to prove yourself in this stretch. They go out and prove themselves. I don't think those teams, all three of them, are as good as the Clippers. still see the Clippers as the second-best team assuming that they're all healthy. And that's not an assumption that you can really count on at this point in time. But we'll see, you know. But I think that you'll feel more confident, just as I will feel more confident, and the Lakers will feel more confident if they go through and they take those three teams in the East. So those are home games and revenge games, if you will, in in, in a sense. The first game comes up is Memphis. Sunday you have Boston. And then Tuesday after that you have New Orleans uh, heading up. So Zion is uh you know mm-hmm. in there and that's something i think we'll talk about on next week's show is right the the zion phenomenon uh, say that 10 times fast i'll tell you what it's just something that is amazing to see and if you've not seen zion williamson yet my goodness you're in for a treat because he is something special but again tom we're going to talk about that coming up on men yeah. uh, monday and Talk about LeBron versus Zion because I know that the league is just salivating, salivating right now at that. All these matchups that they were hoping for earlier in the season, they're finally starting to pay off. 
So I think ratings will tick back up a little bit. Because, I can't agree with you. Yeah, because it's of the foundation. Good matchups coming the second half of the season. And, you know, even the fans, even the fans, it's it's not like baseball, but 82 games is a lot of games, man. You yeah, know, it's not like baseball. I mean, where it's 162 games and they still cheat. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Did right, I say I that? But Speaking of that, I can't understand how they cannot take away the Astros titles. My favorite player, Mike Trout, was said best. He's ashamed for the players that are supposed to be colleagues, supposed to be individuals that are holding the same standard. Yep. And obviously they didn't. They didn't for a long time. And he wonders, you know, during the, the games, balls, man. <laughs> yeah, dur- during the 20 games that he played, how did it affect his team and yep. could have affected their season adversely? So all these players that are getting off scot-free and with these really, fake apologies. Really a bad state of affairs. Exactly. League baseball. It is. Rob Manfred, it's all on him. It's all on him to make the it right is. call, and he didn't. And yeah. it's it's a shame because it only makes people look at Major League Baseball in even less of a fashion that they did before. True, most teams still get two and a half, three, three and a half million fans coming to their stadiums each and every year. That's notwithstanding because people still like to go to the ballpark, but watching it on TV, all the other things that you want to go ahead and do, spend your money and things like that on baseball – those things get less and less because you ignore what's in yeah. front of you. And Rob Manfred, I mean, I'll tell you what, it's just something that is very disappointing to see him make the decisions that he made. It was something that, uh, I, you know, he could have made the right call. I would hope that they will still look at this again, you know. I, I, he, I think he's going to have to at least look at it. I'm not going to say he's going to go ahead and, you know, revert – uh, the worst, you know, at the worst, they have to put an asterisk next to those titles. Oh, I just think he he's going to have to go ahead at least look at it again, or at least say he's going to go ahead and look at it, even though his public statements have already said he's done with it, and that's a shame. But I, I think mean, if Pete Pete Rose out of the Hall of Fame, what are they going to do with these guys? Yeah, I know Pete Rose is a different story. Pete Rose tried to go ahead and say, you know what, if you're going to allow these cheaters, let me at least go back in because I didn't do you know anything near as egregious as this. Yep, and that's something that you have to look at and. That's yeah. a double standard right there. I would. That's almost in line for litigation right there. If I was Pete Rose, but that's beside the point. I mean, right. I, I still think the debate on Pete Rose, as far as into the Hall of Fame, I'm still a Steve Garvey fan. Steve Garvey should be in the Hall of Fame too. So if you're going to put Pete Rose in, you need to put Steve Garvey in because he actually produced really hardcore numbers instead of. But then again, he's the all-time yeah. hit leader. I get right. that. It's it's catchy. Played enough seasons to qualify for that. So. You know, I don't want to get anybody's case on there on Pete Rose. Well, if you're a Dodger fan or a Yankee fan, you got to be pissed. Exactly. You know? That's that's it's the moral really story. There. I mean, it's I'm really not a travesty saying, and an injustice. And I'm not saying give the title. Not on them. the game. I'm not saying give the title to them because the Dodgers and Yankees. No, just but you better put an asterisk on those titles. Yeah, yeah. Well, I would take away those titles. I would take yeah, away I would those championships. Just say I'd vacate. take them away too. Vacate it. Vacate it all. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. if, if it was in the NBA, I think Adam Silver, after what I've I seen. I would never he, doubt that Adam Silver yeah. would. Out, out. Hey, but, yeah. you know, hey, in NFL, I'm not so sure about that. So, <laughs> NFL's, uh, you know, a different breed altogether. But we won't go Well, the NFL's that. already shown it with the way they treat the Patriots, that none of that matters. Yeah, none of that yeah. definitely matters. Absolutely. We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey, listener, Dutch here from Voice from the Underground, the podcast. My co-host and I want to invite you to check out our little corner of the podcast verse. At Voice from the Underground, we talk about all the crazy (laughs) happening around us and try to make a little bit of sense out of the nonsense with little to no results. If the idea of hearing three semi-intelligent, outspoken nerds talk about politics, social issues, current events, sports, movies, pretty much anything that we decide to talk about because, well, it's our show, appeals to you, grab your shovel and come on down to the underground and then consult a qualified psychotherapist. Find us wherever you get your podcasts, just not where you buy your weed. Boys from the underground. Once again, I'm talking to Laker Tom from Lakerholics.net. You got to be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.net and read his great articles that are now available at medium.com, which he also transfers over to Lakerholics.net. There's a great group of people there waiting to converse with you about the Lakers and the NBA. So do it today at Lakerholics.net. And for us 
at the Lakers Fast Break. We truly would appreciate if you get a chance to listen to us on any of those podcast apps. If you can give us a five-star or subscribe to us and all that, we truly are humbled and appreciated if you do so. We cannot thank you enough for doing that if that's the case. And if you know any other Lakers fans out there, please spread the good word about the Lakers Fast Break podcast. Also as well, want to give good some good love to the Discovery Community Network, which we're on, and also our newest network, the RTF Sports Network, which we're on Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Cannot thank enough to the RTF Sports Network for allowing us on the air each and every week into everybody's homes via the RTF Sports Network. So check it out, all the other great shows that are there as well. But enough promoing, my friend. We're going to get back to closing out on the Lakers and what they need to do going forward because I have a feeling you're right, Tom. When all is said and done and March 1st comes around, unless something surprising happens, I think it is going to be the roster that we're going to have out there. I think we're going to see the same 12 individuals unless DeMarcus Cousins gets a little bit healthier. If that's the case, that could be something that could be thrown in late in the season. Whether or not he gets help substantially or even incrementally, that remains to be seen. But we're going to have the roster, I think, on March 1st, like you said, and say, you know what, this is what we're going to go to battle with, and this is what we're going to go to war with. This is what we're going to go to the playoffs in and go from there. So I want to ask you this, heading into the last part of the season, what are some of the things that the Lakers need to focus on in this last part of the season to get tuned up for the playoff run? One of the interesting thoughts is that Frank Vogel has actually said to people that we're not going to show everything we have before the playoffs. All of the discussions we've had in the past about Anthony Davis playing at center have had Anthony coming out very clearly saying, hey, I don't mind playing center when the playoffs come. The Lakers have done a great job with the combo center of JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard. They have just terrific defensive ratings terrific rebounding ratings, especially on the offensive glass. Sometimes it doesn't work out because when teams go small like Houston, they play those yep. two right off the court. Yeah, and it is. And, and what's difficult about it is that you know that teams like the Clippers who sag in on the Lakers and, and dare us to shoot from outside and turn the game into you know whether or not we can hit our threes, it's hard when you when you've only got two three point shooters out there and you you've got you know you got Javale McGee or Dwight Howard holding one of those spots, and then Rajon Rondo comes in and holds another spot. I think one of the adjustments that we will see, and I also am not one of those who think that you can just pull something off in the playoffs and have it work. You need to actually practice this kind of stuff. And during the season, you don't have time to practice things really. So I expect the Lakers to play a lot more small ball with AD on the floor and LeBron off. I think they'll start surrounding him with more shooters. I don't think we'll see as many people in the rotation as we've seen before, as we've seen up to now. I think we're going to see a narrowing of the rotation. I think there will be some load management in keeping LeBron and 80s minutes down. I expect a big reduction in Rondo's minutes going forward, unless he's just really red hot right off of the bat in a game. I think he may end up spending a lot of time on the fine. They can spin it however they want. They're saving playoff Rondo for the playoffs because that's fine with me and I'm sure it's fine with you, but I think, I think we're going to see a lot more of Caruso. I think the big question in my mind for the second half of the season is the job of a coach is to figure out how to get the best out of each one of his players. And I think Frank Vogel has done a good job with that with two exceptions. One exception is Anthony Davis. I think when Anthony Davis is alone without LeBron James to feed him, Vogel needs to try lots of different things to try to get him going and really take advantage of that superstar ability that he has because he really hasn't done a good enough job now of optimizing Anthony's talent when he's playing without LeBron. And then the second player, I think, falls into that same category as Kyle Kuzma. We didn't trade Kuzma at the trade deadline, and I think it was really probably more that we just didn't get the offer that we felt was worth it. But that's not going to protect Kuzma this summer. This summer, we will have a first-round draft choice to offer. We will have 
three guys who had no trade. I, mean, I don't know if you can you can can't trade it right away. You, you remember that because of the no, that you can was, trade it on draft day. Yeah, that's true. You can trade the individual. You can trade you can trade it on draft day, and and they'll everybody knows that, so they'll work that out. You got really three players: Javale McGee, Rashawn Rondo, and Contavious Caldwell Pope who, because their bird rights would be at risk if they were traded immediately after signing, could not be traded at the trade deadline, but will be eligible should they re-up, and all three of them are likely to re-up, especially if we win a championship. So all of a sudden, you've got a $8 million a year guy, a $5 million a year guy, and a $4 million a year guy that you can now all of a sudden add to the trade assets that you had before. So we're going to be in a lot better situation in the summer then also next year, because we're going to be we're going to be over the salary cap, we have the opportunity to get the full MLE, which is ten million dollars a year. So there's a lot of weapons that the Lakers will have to improve the team next year, even without giving up, let's say, the possibility of of creating almost max money to offer to Giannis to sign with the Lakers in 2021. Bogle has to really find out what's the key to getting Kuzma going because he hasn't gotten going. He's still now ranking 10th or 11th on the team in net rating, and he's still not producing and contributing anything close to what it is. And if his value goes down by the end of the year, that's not going to help the Lakers. They really need him to come along and start averaging 17, 18 points per game, start picking up his minutes and so forth taking minutes away from some of the other guys at the end of the bench. And so I think the focus that Bogle has for the second half of the season is really to do a better job of optimizing the talent that he's got in those two guys and the potential to help the team with those two guys. And if he can do that, that will put us in a really good situation, both entering the playoffs as a better team with more weapons and a tighter rotation. And it'll also give us a trade asset in the summertime. The guy that I'm really excited about, I think, is uh, is the Chicago Bulls point guard, Zach Levine. I think he would be a perfect addition to the Lakers. Well, he's not a point guard. He's a shooting guard. He's off guard. Well, he's a shooting guard, but he still contributes four assists per game. Actually, he's listed as a point guard, even though Chris Dunn actually plays a lot of point for them. Not on my fantasy roster, my friend. <laughs> well, he, you don't, with LeBron on the team, you don't really need, you know, a guy who can of contribute four it, you know, it's not that much different from Collison or somebody like that, but he's a he's a 20-point-per-game, 39% three-point shooter, very athletic, and would be a perfect fit for the Lakers. Kuzma Green and a first-round pick would like be likely to get him, and he's very likely to be demanding a trade by the time we get to summer. Because that would be a good pickup for the Lakers. I, obviously, right. a little younger, a little more athletic, and obviously... And then, and, then, and then you add uh, DeMarcus Cousins. Then you add DeMarcus Cousins, a healthy DeMarcus Cousins, whom I don't think is going to play this year. Frankly, I would be against him almost playing this year. Um, that's how he got injured last year, by coming back from the Achilles. You don't want him to come back from the ACL. And, you know, and he's had three injuries to the same side of his body there. They've all been on the same side of the body. But the reason he's on this roster, as I've said many times, and the reason he hasn't been cut, and the reason maybe why we even turned down a trade for uh, Marcus Morris is that he's AD's guy. He's the guy that AD wants to play center. He's the guy that is the stretch five center that basically could shoot 300 threes at 36% and take all of that pressure off of AD plus deal defensively with any of the bangers that are out there. So they want to keep him healthy, sign him to a two-year deal for maybe the same amount as he's getting now, use part of the MLE for that, and, and you've got a guy that you can then turn around and have bird rights and if he has a couple of great years in those two years uh, playing next to AD, he's your third superstar next year. And you add him to whatever else you could get for a trade with Kuzma and a few of the other pieces. And the Lakers, you know, will be in perfect shape. I'm also not afraid of signing guys to, that it would be on contracts next summer. I think we've seen that the resurrection of the sign and trade has now made it unnecessary for you to have to have cap space to go after a superstar because you go after a superstar and we saw that there were 10 sign and trade deals done last year where we never had seen two or three deals in the last two or three years before that. 
So if even if you got a guy that uh, like uh, Zach Levine, who's got two years left on his contract, you'd have a guy with an expiring contract back and you could trade Zach Levine for Giannis. And that would be a better deal for somebody like the Bucks. And that's basically what happened. I mean, it's what happened with Kemba Walker. It's what happened with D'Angelo Russell. It's what happened with so many of the stars last year. So I think the Lakers have a good opportunity to finish this season strong. And I think we'll win the championship. And if we do, then we'll even be better next year. Next year, we'll have a lot. We'll have a lot of leverage that we did not have this year to make a trade during the summer that we couldn't make at the trade deadline. Once again, I'm speaking to Tom Wong. I know it was that, but you know him as Laker Tom, part of Lakerholics.net. Be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.net. We've got less than five minutes left, my friend. If you could please let us know what's going on at Lakerholics.net so everybody can go ahead and Sign up today at all the good stuff going on at Lakerholics.net. Well, there's been some there's been some great uh, online conversations about the All Star Game. Obviously, one of the things that I found interesting is that one of our one of our uh, editors, uh, uh, Sean, uh, basically posted an article about doing away with the blocking foul for help defenders and proposed that as as a part of a whole bunch of things that we started. And, and it ended up in, in a great thread that basically was talking about all of the rules changes that you could make in the league to reduce the number of fouls, speed up the game, eliminate injuries, and just make the game a little more exciting. And at the head of that list was this whole idea that why don't you eliminate help defenders sliding over, you know? That's always the toughest call to make because did they slide over before the offensive player left the ground and and were they moving and and all of these various things? And then the simple fact that it's a miracle that we haven't seen some major injuries. You know, you got LeBron James going into Kyle Lowry, for example, and Kyle Lowry is lucky that he's still alive if he has a collision like that. The whole idea that you still have to make a basketball play, that you can't just block the way. And you'd still call somebody if somebody comes down and just runs over somebody or puts their shoulder into them and knocks them out or pushes off with his hand and stuff. Those would still be offensive fouls. But the whole idea that you just can't have kelp defenders coming over and stuffing up the lane. And that's one of the things I think that I'm sure there are a lot of old school defensive minded players and coaches who would say, my God, that's a travesty. You're just giving everything to the offense, but the game is entertainment. That's really what it's about. And and you want to see LeBron driving down to the middle. You want to see the great players, doing acrobatic dunks and things and attacking the rim. And the biggest detriment that we have against attacking the rim today are help defenders sliding in there and and taking a charge, which, you know, is a big turnaround of a score. So I think that's something that that is one of the things. There were a couple of other ideas that were put out by other uh, people in the discussion. The difference, let's say, between the amount of physicality that's allowed by a defender inside the paint versus the defender on the perimeter. It used to be that you could pretty much beat up anybody anywhere on the court, you know, and you got a guy hand checking you as a 225 pound point guard and his hands are like iron. So they've eliminated all of that on the, and on the exterior. But if you get down into the paint, it's almost anything goes, you know, you can almost punch guys out and so forth down in the paint. And they ought to have the same set of rules for guys in the perimeter and, and the interior. And then the third thing is the things that it's the Shaq LeBron rule. They're so big that they never get the bump fouls. So it was a great discussion. It was just one of the threads that, that's happened over the last few days that everybody seemed to jump on and have a lot of opinions of, of how it could improve the game, the speed of the game, the number of fouls called, and just the, the continuity that you see in a, in a great game when it comes down. Now it's sometimes, you know, you look at the last of the games and they, they go play for 10 seconds and there's a timeout. And then you play for another 20 seconds, there's another timeout. Play for another 10 seconds, there's a review, which I think hurts the ends of the games and and hurts the watchability of the games for the fans. If getting into conversations of different subjects of basketball interest you and you enjoy exchanging ideas like that and, and maybe getting a new point of view on certain things, Lakerholics.net is a perfect place for you to come and, and become one of the members and join the conversation. Once again, that's Lakerholics.net. Be part of the conversation today right there at Lakerholics.net. Well, for us at Lakers Fast Break, if you have any questions for the show, please send them out to us at Lakers Fast Break on Twitter or also as well, LakersFastBreak at Yahoo.com. Tom, it's always great talking to you. Don't go into withdrawals, my friend, because it's still many days left until the Lakers get back onto the court. So please 
try to hold it together until Friday. I will, Gerald. Me, all bets are off when it comes to me. But you know what? Everybody out there, try to hold it together. NBA action is coming this weekend again. The last part of the season is on its way. And we're looking forward to more great conversations with all of our guests, including Laker Tom, each week talking about the great things going on with the Lakers and the NBA right here on the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.